Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Bharati Jagdish with you. Time for Powering Your Property, bringing you the latest in property sector news and updates. Now, in the future, you may be able to decide if you want your HDB flat to have a home office or perhaps a larger bedroom, perhaps fewer bedrooms, more bedrooms. Well, the government is mulling over allowing people to choose their home layout to meet Singapore's growing needs and evolving aspirations in this city with land constraints. Nicholas Mark joins us now. He's head of research and consultancy at ERA Real Estate to talk about the pros and cons of something as flexible as this. Hi, Nicholas. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Bharati. Glad to be on your program. So, Nicholas, this flexibility, on the face of it, it sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? But I also hear of some people saying, look, if I modify my home too much, if I customize it too much, won't I have problems reselling it? Yes, that could possibly happen. Now, the, the thing is that the details are still being worked out. So, it currently, some of the newer flats, because the load-bearing walls are more on the external walls and also in the civil defence shelter, so there is more possibility, more flexibility for the owners to remove certain walls. Say, for example, they could remove one the walls for one of the bedrooms to enlarge their living room, or they could remove uh, walls of the adjoining bedroom with the master bedroom to enlarge the master bedroom. But you are right. For most of the time, families who do that tends to be young couples without children. So they may buy, let's say, a four-room flat. It has three bedrooms. They do away with four other bedrooms so that they've got a larger space for the other rooms. But the buyer and majority of the resale flats buyers are families with young children or, or maybe even teenage children. So they would need at least three bedrooms typically. And so if, let's say, you have a three-bedroom flat, you turn it into a two-bedroom flat, it would not really appeal to this group of resale flat buyers. So that's the thing. I know that details are still being worked out, but how can the government, how can the HDB possibly regulate this better? In a sense, you know, give you flexibility, but not so much that it renders the place useless after a while. Hmm. Well, one way is that I think safety first to make sure that only the uh, authorized contractor can work on this place. And also, of course, with uh, permissions from the HDB so that they don't knock down a load bearing wall and cause structural damage to the whole building. And secondly is that I think they could put down regulations so that people don't go to the extreme of removing internal Mm. walls and then it turns it into one big studio apartment. So they could put in regulations like that. But just because the walls can be removed, they can also be put back and I think that this might lead to quite a bit of uh, wastage. You know, people knock down the walls and then the next owner put it up. So at the very beginning, perhaps the HDB can consider letting the first group of buyers, people who buy the flat from HDB, to state to the HDB that they want perhaps certain modification to the layout. That way, it will save on resources rather than the HDB hand the new flats over to the owners and the owners start knocking down walls and removing tiles and, and things like that. After all, this will also be more environmentally friendly, you know, to minimize the wastage of building materials. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are thinking about loft living already, so there need to be some controls in place at least. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of this people are 
are saying is coming about because homes are shrinking. You know, the newer mm-hmm. homes seem smaller than the homes that our parents or grandparents bought many, many years ago. To what extent do you think this open plan concept would address concerns that public housing in Singapore just has been getting smaller over the years? Well, I'm afraid that this open space concept is not really going to address this because it is mm. a zero-sum game. If, let's say, the HDB flat used to be 1,200 square meters, for example, and now it's 10 square meters smaller, no matter how you want to configure the flat, it is still 10 square meters smaller. Exactly. So the size doesn't change, but perceptions might, right? Yes, it could. I mean, one can even try with mirrors, you know, to put mirrors on the wall to give <laughs> the illusion of that the space is bigger, but that's all it is, an yeah. illusion. Yeah, yeah, totally understandable. It's about perceptions at the end of the day, and if that works for certain people, why not? But ultimately, let's get this straight. The flat isn't going to be bigger than something your mother or grandmother bought many, many years ago. That's something we'll just have to live with, won't we? Yes, but I don't think we really have. We can, uh, I think, as a group, as consumers, as home buyers, can actually feed back to the government through various methods, either through uh, public portal or even talking to the members of parliament to say that we want larger flats. And there's also another situation where actually taking a look at some of the latest BTO exercise is that the BTO projects in the mature estates do not have comes with five-room flats. The governments only offer five-room HDB flats in BTO projects in the non-mature estates further away from the city. Mm. So that is something that I think um, home buyers could feedback to the authorities. But there are issues. I mean, we have space constraints that we can't run away from. Well, here's the thing. If, let's say, the government can build five-room flats in non-mature estates, why can't they build it in mature estates? Mm. Does it mean that people with larger families have been punished and been banished to the further to, to non-mature estate further away from the city area, while people with smaller families that can make do with smaller flats are rewarded and allowed and uh, be allowed to buy resale flats. Uh, I mean, buy BTO flats in the mature estate. Now, it doesn't matter whether the flats are in non-mature estate. If if they can build five-room flats in further away from the city, they can also build five-room flats nearer to the city. Mm. Distribute them better, in other words, right? So yes. not just in one particular area or in certain areas only. Now, here's the other thing, Nicholas. What impact will flexible layouts have on the resale value of one's property? Because right now, we have a standardized manner of comparing mm. prices, right? Four-room versus yes. four-room. But mm-hmm. once you have an open plan where you might have have one large bedroom and one small bedroom where there are so many variations. How then does one sit down and price these various properties? Well, I don't think it will affect the value significantly because the potential buyers, if they can look past, take for example, the, the existing owner remove the walls of one of the bedrooms, the difference might be the cost of putting back up that uh, the walls again. So if, let's say, the potential buyer can look past this and can see the potential of the flat, I I think that uh, it will not uh, affect the value that much. However, it can uh, drag out the time that the seller would take to sell the flat because they they could be viewing from potential buyers, but some of them could be turned off. Uh, If they need three bedrooms and there's only two, they could be turned off. So I think uh, the advice to people who are have changed the layout from a three-bedroom uh, flat to a two-bedroom two flat, the advice is uh, restore it back 
to a three-bedroom flat mm. when you want to sell it. Okay, that extra step. We're speaking today with Nicholas Mark, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Real Estate. Now, Nicholas, another headline, five BTO projects just launched with almost 4,600 flats under the May exercise. The projects are located across five HDB towns. We're talking about Bukit Mira, Queenstown, Tuapayo, Jurong West and Yishun. The flats in Bukit Mira and Queenstown will be sold under the prime location public housing model. What makes Bukit Mira and Queenstown prime locations based on your assessment? Well, I think for the Bukit Mira one, it's quite obvious because it is located near the Tiongbaru area and from there to the, let's say, Raffles Place, which we is the heart of the financial district in Singapore, it's just a 10-minute train commute or even less. And um, secondly, is that both um, BTO projects at Bukit Merah and Queenstown, they are only about 300 to 400 metres from their nearest MLT station. Furthermore, near their MLT station, there's also uh, retail amenities or shopping mall, so that brings conveniences. But I think a, a more, uh, another important reason is that there is a significant number of million-dollar HDE flats transacted in both towns. In, since January this last year, uh, there were 34 HDB flats transacted at a million dollars or more in the Bukit Merah town. And in Queenstown, that number is 52 flats transacted at a million dollars or more. By comparison, the second PLH project at Kalang Wampo called King George Heights, in the Kalang Wampo area, in the same time period, there were only 28 flats transacted at a million dollars or more. So I think one of the criteria the government decide whether or not that project, BTO project, is uh, put under the BT, um, the PLH model or not is whether or not there is a, quite a number of million-dollar flats transacted mm. in that area. Right, thanks for pointing that out because I think that is key. And the whole idea of the prime location housing model is to make flats in these areas accessible to everyone, right? But mm, the yes. question is, once they are put on the resale market, even though the MOP is longer, it's a 10-year minimum occupancy period, once they mm-hmm. are put into the resale market, to what extent will they be overpriced as well? <laughs> I think that's no guarantee that they will not be, um, that the price will not exceed a million dollars or more. In fact, uh, there is even a higher chance that they could go uh, above a million dollars because um, it will take them a longer time uh, to go into the market. Normal HDB BTO flats takes uh, a five year uh, minimum occupation period. The PLH, uh, prime location flats, is 10 years. So, in at that additional five years' time with inflation, there is a higher chance that it will. Uh, the, the resale price could exceed the million dollars. Some analysts have been saying not to worry, all of this will be moderated by market forces, but it seems that market forces are working in favour of people setting higher prices in these areas. In other words, people might be willing to pay those higher prices. Where does this leave the market? Because as you know, Nicholas, we've talked about this several times. Every time there is news of a million dollar HDB flat, people say, wow, public housing, you know, why is it so expensive? No, um, the other thing is, I think it is also because of the rising prices of private housing. And also, uh, well, in today's um, newspapers, the headlines uh, say that people's salaries are also rising. So if we are talking about inflation overall. There's inflation in um, salary packages. There's inflation in the, uh, practically every type of uh, consumer items. So as the prices of private housing rise, uh, especially right now with family-sized three-bedroom units, 
uh, the prices uh, in the suburban areas are going above 1.3 to 1.5 million dollars or more for retail uh, condo units. There is a growing gap between the prices of three-bedroom HDB flats and three-bedroom condo units. And as this gap widens, there will be more possibility that some of the HDB flats, especially if they are well-located on high floors and fairly new, to be um, priced close to a million dollars or more. So I think that going forward, this is going to be it's going to be part of the market. Right. So while we accept that, we also have to accept that at least there are BTO launches every now and then for more affordable housing, right? So that is the silver lining. In terms of the BTO market, we have seen some delays in projects, partly because of the pandemic and construction delays. How do you expect this unfolding in the next few years, considering the number of flats that has been launched this time round? Well, I think that uh, the government is uh, trying very hard to bring the completion period uh, back to the pre-pandemic uh, level of roughly about three to three and a half years. Uh, it will take time because uh, there are also challenges because uh, with uh, rising inflation and also the bottlenecks, the supply chain bottlenecks are still existing. Um, and we still have the uh, pandemic going on. So if, let's say, they w- we were to bring in more foreign workers to try to complete the project earlier, it could also raise the risk that we could be importing uh, more COVID cases. So the government has struck a balance, but I think it could take another year and a half or more uh, before the waiting time for completion of BTO flats to come down to uh, less than four years. All right. Thank you very much for that, Nicholas. Nicholas Mark, Head of Research and Consultancy at ERA Real Estate. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.